right, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. This is a Between the Game and Life podcast. Got my man Darius Miller on with me. What's going on, bro? Nothing much. I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a while. Definitely been a while. Definitely been a while. So my goal with this show is just kind of talk about the finer details of basketball and life and how it all intertwines. And so the first the first question I want to ask you about is what is your first memory of playing the ball? And then when did when did when did basketball click? So, for example, my first league I played in, I was 10 years old and I played in the streets, but everything was just moving so fast. I didn't know what was going yeah. on. But then but then I got an offensive rebound. And I put it back and I scored my first two points. And from that point on, I've never been scoreless in the game ever. <laughs> so for me, that's my moment when like basketball kind of clicked. Do you yeah. have a certain do you have a certain moment like that? Man, honestly, I can't I can't even remember. I've been I've seriously been playing basketball since I can like I can remember. Uh when my pops had me, he was traveling all around playing. I looked up to my pops, wanted to be my pops, so I always had a basketball in my hand, honestly. Uh, him playing in the dirt bowl up here in Lexington, dirt bowl back home. I was always there chasing around on the court with the ball in my hand. So, uh, man, I, I honestly can't remember when that moment was. Gotcha. Who did, so outside of your pops, who did you look up to on a local level, whether it was in Mason County or whether it was in the city of Lex or in the state of Kentucky? Um. Chris Lofton, you know, he's like a local hero back home. Uh, when he was uh, dominating high school and middle school and everything, I was the young guy watching him going to all his games. Uh, we had some guys like Sean Myrick, who went to Cincinnati, had a pretty good career. Uh, there was a lot of guys back home that could hoop, man. So I was always the young guy on the court chasing them around. They finally let me play when I was real young. They used to beat up on me. Uh, but I... I took a little bit of stuff from 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 all of their games for sure. Man, Chris, when he first like when I first recognized Chris Lofton and the way he would shoot with the lean back, that's how I was trying <laughs> yeah. to shoot. So he's like yeah. my first. He was like the first person I tried to shoot like. And, yeah, uh, man. Man, I can't. I still can't believe he went to Tennessee. Let that <laughs> right. You know, one thing that I liked about your game in high school and especially here in Kentucky. When you when you have a county kid, usually the big county kids are still in the post. But you were six 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 seven with guard skills, and you weren't skinny. How did you develop those guard skills, even as you started to grow? Um, man, I just I just played a lot, honestly. I always like I was saying since I can remember, but there's not a lot to do to do in Mason County. So like every day after school I was at the YMCA playing I was at the boys club playing like I said I was following Chris around so uh in order for me to get on the court with him you had to be able to hold your own like uh so I had to be able to dribble shoot pass and do everything pretty well honestly or they wasn't gonna let me play so uh I didn't really have uh, a lot of social things to go to I didn't have I was, I was just in the gym trying to perfect my craft yeah and so going back to being in the gym, perfecting your craft, one big question, whenever I hear a player on anyone's podcast, I want to know like at what, at what they actually did. So when I was uh, in high school and I was looking at players' work ethic, um, I would hear about Kobe and them, and I, I would want to know like what drills were they doing? Yeah. So when you were by yourself working on your game, were you putting yourself through drills? Was it through a coach? Like, did you go to the park, set up cones and chairs and dribble around them? Um, luckily I had my pops, my pops would set, set me through some drills and stuff like that. But honestly, a lot of it just came from playing. 
Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, we had a lot of guys who uh, played basketball at pretty high levels, you know, D1 players and stuff like that. And I was just a little bit younger. I came up like right at the right time to where I got to see them and play against them when they were pretty much in their prime. So uh, I was just playing against them and they never one thing about them, like all the people back home. They never took it easy on me. Like they, they was beating me up like consistently every single day. And then I, I just, that just made me want to be better. Honestly, I got tired of them beating up on me every single day. <laughs> yeah. What was that age gap between when they were beating you up to, to compare to how old they were? Uh, Chris is about four years older than me. Then Sean and them, they were like 10 years older right. than me. So like they was just grown men. I couldn't do nothing with them. You know, I made my little, they pushed me down. They well, I, Obviously I didn't get no fouls. I was a little kid, probably shouldn't have been out there anyway. So yeah. like just playing against those guys. And then um, on the AU scene too, uh, me, um, Shell, uh, we, we played with the group of the D1 Greyhounds mm-hmm. to where I played against OJ, where I played against Bill, who was probably two of the best people in the country. And it was the same thing with them. They used to beat up on me too. Like I, they, they would, they, nobody was taking it easy. So I just developed like a hunger to get better because I got tired of getting beat up every day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you have a moment yeah. when you, when you just came back one day and you were all of a sudden like six four, six five, and they like, oh snap, little Darius ain't so little no more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was probably the summer going to my eighth grade year. I had a little growth spurt and. uh, I felt I kind of felt like I was catching up a little bit, you know, and uh, it that made me want to work even harder. And then I got I got called up uh, to JV that year and got to play like organized basketball against these guys a little bit. So then I started to pick up on other things. And uh, yeah, that was probably around the time, like my eighth grade year, freshman year, where I was like, OK, I'm finally ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, One question I didn't ask Shelvin is uh, is about the D1 Greyhound. So. With that experience, so you were, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're very good on the local level, but then you're, then you're exposed to, you know, OJ and Bill Walker, even though they were playing in Cincinnati at the time at a right. North, North College Hill. But um, what was that experience like where you start playing against other players from all over the country with your um, summer team? Uh, it was perfect. I, I felt like, I feel like me and Shelvin kind of had a chip on our shoulders, you know what I mean? Cause we were like the Kentucky guys. We wasn't like highly rated when we first went to the team and stuff like that. So it was just a, it was like the perfect stage to just prove yourself. And we got to go against the, 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 the world's best pretty much every day in practice. So like when we got to the games, it was, it was, it was really easy. Like there was a lot of times Shell would be going against O and I was going against Bill. So it's like, once you get to a game against kids, your age, it's like, it's, <laughs> you ready to just take it all out yeah. on them you know yeah and, they, sure. and and oj and bill were probably considered like nba players at that time yeah and i remember Seriously. my freshman year of high school they were playing at the civic center down in frankfurt and i, I went and bro everybody in the whole arena was lined up <laughs> on the aisle to watch them walk past after the game it was like they were like yeah like nba players for real <laughs> No, they were. They were. And they, they drew that attention like everywhere we went, like all the tournaments you would see crazy people showing up to the game to see these young kids play. And it was crazy. So I got exposed to a lot of that when I was at a young age through them, just uh, playing on those big stages and, um, you know, growing into uh, the player that I am today. Yeah. 
So you so you graduate from high school, you miss the basketball, you win the state championship. Um, you go to you go to so you so you commit to UK and you got Billy G as a coach. <laughs> uh, so my my first year at Asbury, Adam Delf was on our team, right? Yeah. So I used to love bro just going to his room and hearing Billy G stories. <laughs> Might have been a couple times he's shown up to games hungover. Might have been oh, some. Man. The way he kicked people out, whatever. <laughs> so, what was your like first year like? Because you're, I mean, you're coming in as Mr. Basketball and a freshman, and you got Billy yeah. G as a coach. Yeah, it it was an experience, man. It was an experience, and um, I think, I think what he was trying to do was was just make us tough and make us like put us in the best shape possible to where the games felt. I think that's what he was trying <laughs> to do. I can't, I, I like looking back, I don't know honestly, but. It was it was wild, man. It was wild, and there's so many stories of things that 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 he would do, and uh, we would just be looking at each other like, man, what is going on? But uh, we had a really we had a really good team, even though our record didn't show it. But it was just so discombobulated, man. There was so much chaos going on that we couldn't quite figure it out. But as far as like my first, you know, me being at home, getting to play for a team, you know, my family's fans of Kentucky, like it's just big back home. Everybody's fans at either Louisville or Kentucky. So being able to re represent the state in that way, uh, that it was amazing still, for right, sure. So I'll, I'll share this story with you. So my goal out of high school was I wanted to be a walk-on at um, Kentucky. And the reason why is because Billy G at that time, he had like eight walk-ons. Like I was looking at yeah. your, I was looking at your freshman year roster. Yeah, 19 people on the team. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I don't know if you remember this, but y'all's open gyms used to be open down at the Coliseum. Yeah. And so yep. I used to go down there and try to sneak on the court because I had my eye on one person, bro. <laughs> Dwight Perry. <laughs> I said, if I make it on the court and I matched up with Dwight Perry, I'm going at his neck. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I just I just thought that was so funny because man, there were so many walk-ons, 20, you know, yeah. almost 20 people on the team. I was like, because I, so I, I had a full academic scholarship to UK. Yeah. So I just thought if I could beat out Dwight Perry, I'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right, though. We had so many players on the team. And the crazy thing about that is once Cal came, he was like kind of mentioned how many people he was going to get rid of. Everybody was like, hey, what's like, it seemed like half the team was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we was like, but yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. So yeah, I felt like uh, when Cal came in, I feel like I read in the paper somewhere that he wasn't taking walk-ons or something like that. It was, it was, it was, it was some reason. And I was like, uh, well, I guess I got to find me another school to go to. So then that, <laughs> that's when I went to junior college. So gotcha. it's a great transition. So Cal comes in. And this is like Calipari with all the bells and the whistles. He just, yeah. He's just leaving Memphis to come to Kentucky. Um, and he's bringing in his own team, like you just said. Like, he's he, he's scrapping people. He's starting from the ground up. Did you fear that you would have to transfer? Uh, no, no. I was pretty comfortable with my abilities. So, uh, I mean, at the beginning, we had a couple practices. You know, he a, a lot of playing, a lot of scrimmaging. He was just trying to fill everybody out. But, no. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't really worried. Yeah. Talk about the level of, so you, you go from that freshman year, Billy G, I mean, a Billy, <laughs> Billy G team, and then Cal brings in, you know, John Wall, Cousins, Bledsoe. Can you talk about the level of talent that went up notches after they arrived on campus? And maybe, maybe tell me about like that first open gym session. 
Yeah, that first open gym, the first probably month, really, like, because just for that fact alone we were talking about earlier, you know, Cal coming in like, hey, I guys, I'm going to have to make cuts. Uh, I got these freshmen coming in. Everybody knew what the freshmen were. These were like high-recruited freshmen, you know what I'm saying? You've seen their highlight tapes on hoop mixtape and stuff like that. So you know they're going to come in ready to play. So every every single day, it was like, we going at it. We going at it. And then Cal's the type of coach who, like, he kind of he kind of makes it worse a little bit. You know, he'll, he'll talk a little junk to you. He's like, oh, he's coming for you, like that type of stuff, because he feeds into that. And we grow up, we grew off of that too. But yeah, that first month was it was it was wild. It was wild. There was a lot of competition, a lot of fights, a lot of like all of that. But uh, it helped us to grow as a team for sure. Yeah, the crazy thing about that era was that uh, John Wall was class of two thousand nine, like myself. And that was kind of mm-hmm. when YouTube was, was starting to get all the highlight yeah, tapes. Yeah. And he Yo. probably has the best hoop mixtape to this day. <laughs> Still, he like came onto the scene. He's blocking people with his armpit at the rim. Yeah, his hoop mixtape was crazy. For sure, one of the best. Um, one one question I wanted to ask you about: uh, if if you think about your tenure at UK and and kind of the role you played in in four years at UK, how do you feel? How do you feel like your game evolved while you were at UK and, and maybe the different things you might have had to work on year in and year out or 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 did the things you had to work on change from year to year, if that makes sense? Yeah, it kind of, it kind of changed with the squad, honestly. Um, I mean, each year I kind of had a, a different role because of like every year it was like a new wave, but you had to get readjusted. It was a, a great talent coming in, you know, everybody fighting for spots. But I think that helped me to develop as a player, too. Uh, like every single day I was playing against some of the best players in the nation, you know, and we was practicing. All the practices were competitive. That's one thing about Kyle. Like he makes you compete. There's always a loser. So, you know what I mean? You got to run if you lose, like that type of setup to where it's just straight going at each other every day. But that caused me to be like, like like the player that I turned out to be, I think so. Because uh, just like I said, every day constantly, you're just going up against great players, competing very hard. But it's it was fun. It was like a brotherhood, and we 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 didn't take it easy on each other. Yeah, when I was in junior college, I remember my coach uh, telling me about how I needed to get in the gym just besides practice. And when he when we first had that conversation, I didn't really understand. Um, but like. Can can you attest to like when you like the amount of time you have to put in away from practice at, at the game? Because um, you have like you have your workouts, you have your weightlifting, conditioning, you have practice, sure. but then like you also need to be in the gym outside of that time. Definitely, definitely. And um, uh, I think I think the first person that I seen who really like who I who I really got that from was Brandon Knight. Um, like uh. My my sophomore year, well, actually my freshman year, it wasn't a lot of time for us to get in the gym because Billy G had us doing like five hour practices a yeah. day. So like you had to rest outside of that. <laughs> but then like sophomore year, it was more so open gym, like John, Blake, Cuz, all of those guys love playing open gym. And me too. Like that's how I grew up getting better, just competing. But um, so we played a lot, a lot of open gym. And then when B Knight came, he was a huge workout guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and B Knight, we we developed a pretty good relationship while he was there. So I used to be like, "Hey, B Knight, what you doing? Like, what you doing this afternoon?" And 
almost every time his answer was in the gym. So I was like, okay, I, I, I started to see that, picked up on it a little bit, starting to get in the gym with him. And then he kind of helped me to develop that, 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 that workout, that hunger for workouts and, you know, putting in, not putting in extra work, but just putting in the extra work in that type of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and that, that makes me think about like some of my friends and even my brother, when they were growing up hooping, they, uh, they just played open gym all the time. Like mm -hmm. they would just go to the park and play, you know, five on five pickup or whatever. But I felt yeah. like maybe in the 2010s is when we start getting into drill culture. Like you see yeah. online, yep. like these kids nowadays, they're just doing drills. They just going to the I'm gym, sure. dribbling between chairs, splitting cones, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, so, so Brandon Knight was the first person that he kind of showed you, like, I'm going to the gym yeah. and work yeah. like, on this particular skill or, part of my game yeah one thing i picked up on pretty early was just uh, um like people from other cities just had different resources you know what i mean like so the people who came up in la they were used to being around professionals and, and getting that that those drills those type of uh scenario based um drills that you that they that you would see like most people doing now uh professional trainers and things like that but i feel like back back home at least like that wasn't really like we didn't have those type of resources of people to show us that type of thing. So it really was just basketball at first. Like you go out, you play basketball for a long period of time. You compete as hard as you can and you get better. Yeah. So your senior year, I and I feel like this probably is like one of the absolute defining caps of your career um, at Kentucky, where you win Mr. Basketball, then you go to, and then you win the state championship and then you go to Kentucky and win a championship. So encompassing all that, like, how did that feel once once y'all won in New Orleans as a Kentucky kid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, man, that was unbelievable. I don't even know how to put it in words, honestly, because it felt like we had gotten close so many times. You know, we were right there so many times. And then for it to finally happen, my last game at Kentucky, it's like it was, it was a dream come true. Like, that's something I've been dreaming about for four years, like trying to get there, trying to get over that little hump. Uh, we had went to the final four before that that cut real deep because we felt like first we we had a rough start to that year and we kind of figured it out late and then we felt like we could do it and then we kind of fell short because Kimball was just ridiculous that year. Yeah. But um, just that next year, like winning it, it was it it was ridiculous, man. It was some of the best. It was like one of the best moments I've ever had on a basketball court for sure. And then I think what makes it tough being at Kentucky is just the expectations that come with that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for example, your first year, you got John Wall, Cousins. Like, everyone's thinking, like, there's no way we shouldn't win the championship. Right. And then that next year with Brandon Knight, um, <clears throat> y'all kind of overachieved at the end, like you said. Like, you had a rough start, and then y'all went on a nice run to the Final Four. Yeah. And then finally having that expectations on you your senior year and getting over the hump and being able to do it and winning the first championship since 1998. Like, that's just – that's crazy. Yeah, for sure. That was it was wild. It was wild. I think that final four trip the year before kind of helped to to just to see what it takes, to see what it was going to be like there at the end, the last games, uh, what you have to focus on, how just how how focused you have to be on every single possession. Like, like I think those things carried over into the next year and helped like us us older guys kind of commute that communicate that to the younger guys and have everybody on the same page early on. Yeah. So then you get drafted second round. Um, 
what was it like hearing your name drafted? First round, second round, doesn't matter. You 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 get your name called at the NBA draft. What does that feel like? It was <laughs> as a Kentucky. It was kid. wild. Yeah, it was wild, man. Because you know you got your your family. We all sitting around just waiting. You so anxious at first, man. You trying to figure out what's going on, and then when it finally happens, like it's a real. It, it was crazy. It was obviously that was a dream come true. That was that had been my goal since I can remember, since growing up playing in the backyard with pots. So, I mean, it was it was just an unbelievable experience. Yeah. What was it? What was it like on the first day that you walk into? You know, uh, was it a summer league? practice your first day yeah mm -hmm. yeah so what, yep. so what's that like walking into those doors you know first practice first meeting the guys like is there a lot of uh of nerves anxiety i was yeah I, I was a little anxious but i was just kind of ready to go like um i felt like after that last game winning the championship, I felt like there was a long space. It really wasn't that long, but it seemed like forever to leading up until actually getting on a team and in, into the practice facility and playing and stuff. So I was just like anxious and ready to go. And it was, um, it was different. It was a change of pace. You know, the practices, the workouts are a little bit different, um, but it, it, it took a little bit of adjustment. adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What are the differences in the workouts between maybe, you know, the, the NCAA level and the NBA level? Um, I would say it's more uh, um, specific, you know. Like on, on the NBA team, you have a specific role. And, like, I feel like a lot of the workouts were dedicated to you being the greatest version of yourself in, the, in that role. You know what I mean? So if you're a shooter – a lot of shots, a lot of movement, getting in shape, uh, coming off of screens, um, you know, situational shots, that type of stuff. Because it's like when you have 82 games, it's kind of hard to, like, uh, go extremely – not extremely hard. You go hard, but for long periods of time. So it's all condensed into, like, uh, more crafted for you. You know what I mean? At the, at the college level, it's just like, oh, we have these drills, these drills, whatever you play. And that's what it is, but it's more it's more like crafted for you in whatever position role you have with the team in the league. Yeah, I remember talking to Shelvin and he would say like he did a lot of like pick and roll situations. He wasn't going into the gym yeah. doing 10 crossovers and trying to hit somebody with a step back at the elbow. <laughs> like, yeah. it, like it wasn't happening. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So you have a <laughs> right, sure. And I guess your rookie year, I don't I don't know how you would explain it, but I think you get waived kind of halfway through your through your rookie year. Um or no, it, it, it wasn't your rookie year, was it? It was a. It was, it was, a years. Uh, it was my yeah, my third year. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you go to Germany and you get on your staff. You go 50, 40, 90. <laughs> you know, you win the you win the German championship three years in a row. You didn't want to be on your Marbury and be over and have a <laughs> have a statue in Germany. But um, what was that experience like transitioning from the NBA to overseas? And did you walk in there with a chip on your shoulder, knowing that? you know, was, was the goal to always get back to the NBA? Honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't. I um I went over there. I didn't know what to expect. And you know what I mean? I hadn't really been overseas or spent a lot of time overseas. Uh, so I was kind of like, I didn't know what to expect going into it. You hear good and bad for people. Some people you hear horror stories. Other people you hear, they had great times, great experiences. So 
I was a little bit nervous going into it, but I, I was just ready to hoop, man. I was ready to be able to uh, kind of get my rhythm back. And then I, I, I fell into a perfect situation. My coach was amazing at great X's and O's, put us in great positions. And I just got to uh, get back into a rhythm, you know what I'm saying, figure out how I wanted to play at the professional level. And uh, it, it was perfect for me. It was a perfect experience to get me back on track, like basketball-wise, in a good rhythm and, and knowing exactly what I bring to a basketball team. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue. So I've been on this theory the last couple of weeks um, that the more basketball I've watched, the more I'm convinced that, like, 80% of a player's success is based upon, like, opportunity, proper system, situation, like you were saying. That's big, yeah. So can you, can you speak on that of, like, you know, you know, you have the talent, right? You, you, you're a, you're an NCAA champion, but maybe the situation didn't fit in the NBA, but then you go to overseas and you shoot 50, 40, 90, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you, you win the, you I, I think you're like player of the year in 2016 or something like that. I was just going through, yeah. going through your thing, but can you speak a little bit more on how like that opportunity and situation really showcases a player's ability? Yeah, man, you got to – me, I believe that you, your player, like your coach and your team in general just has to have a vision for you. You know what I mean? Like they, there have to be a place where they see you contributing to the team. I feel like if, if you don't have that, I don't, I don't feel like I had that in New Orleans. But there was guys ahead of me. We had Tyreek. We had Eric Gordon on the wing. We had um, Al Farouk and Aminu, who was an established player on, in the league, like, there was no, there wasn't really a space for me. There wasn't like a vision for here. This is what we want you to do. This is, but when I went to Germany, it was just like, Hey man, we need you to score the ball. Like, this is what we need you to do. This is how we want you to do it. The situations we're going to put you. And it was a clear vision. I feel like that just helps a player so much when they know exactly what the team, what the coach expects from them. And um, you're only going to get in that scenario. If, like I said earlier, the, the team or the coach has a vision for you. So, uh, there's there's times where you just get stuck on the team just because you were the next best guy on the team, like uh, available, you know, and yeah. maybe they don't have a clear vision of what you what you can do, what you bring to a team or what they want you to bring to a team. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's especially once you get to that level, because everybody can play or they wouldn't be in the league. Like it's, it's, it is what it is. And for overseas at a high level, too, you, if you can't play, you're not going to be able to play on those teams. So. Once you get there, it's just about uh, having a clear vision of who you are and then the team having a clear vision of what they want you to bring to the team. And then once all that marries, then, I mean, the sky's the limit, really. Yeah, because I even think about some of the guys that we watch in the NBA that's like, you know, maybe they're not in an ideal situation. They go to another team and all of a sudden they six men of the year or they most yeah. the <laughs> yeah. or it's just like and they like, oh, where's this come from? It's like, no, he's always had the talent. It's just right. that maybe the situation that he was in didn't, you know, there wasn't a vision for him. I really like that. 100%. There's, a, there's, a, there's a vision for you. Um, so then you come back to the NBA, you sign a nice contract, and then you care, and then you tear your Achilles. Talk about that whole like process of like, man, you you just grinded all these years to possibly get back to the NBA where you where you probably have a more defined role. Maybe you start having that vision and then you get this setback of Achilles tear. What did that feel like? Uh, oh, it was extremely frustrating at first. Because uh, like you said, I just got a, a contract. So, you know, for everybody is different. But for me, that was like a huge weight off of my shoulders. Because, you know, we, we at that point, you play to provide. So, like, once that happened, it's like, 
I felt like, oh, I can finally, you know, just focus on this and like, you know, lock in and try to be the best version of me in, in this scenario. But uh, like you said, I tore my Achilles. But for me, I just tried to take it day by day. It was I was lucky. I was lucky to have an amazing uh, training staff and uh, strength and conditioning staff to give me give me like give me the lock in every single day. And uh, me personally, I just believe in taking things like one step at a time. So I just focus on day by day. I tried to be a professional and stay with the team throughout the whole year. I didn't want to go like off base and um, right. and train or rehab somewhere else. I wanted to be a part of the team and kind of, you know, stay a part of that. And try to help the young guys in any aspect that I could. But um, yeah, it was it was it was frustrating at first. But then I, I mean, I used it to uh, work on other things off the court. At 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 one point, I just uh, um, got tired of being frustrated. You know, so I, I tried to grow and expand as a human off the basketball court. Gotcha. Yeah, that's dope, bro. Um, as I think about your career, your basketball career, and just the amount of different situations that you walked into that were brand new, right? So you walk mm -hmm. into the Billy G coaching situation. Cal comes. He comes with his players. Um, every year there's more players coming in. You get drafted to the NBA. You go over overseas. You come back to the league. Like it's just like constant new situations that you're walking yeah. into. I want you to describe like the feelings you have of walking into every situation and maybe your mindset, and maybe how your approach to those situations changed over time. Uh, I think, like you said, because it started for me early on, so I I kind of got to figure out how I would approach those those different situations and. Um, for me personally, on, on most of my teams, I was considered kind of like, except for uh, Germany, maybe uh, like a glue guy. So I've kind of developed um, uh, the ability to just play with a lot of different players. So it, it was it was real easy for me to see where I needed to fit in on a team um, pretty early on, because like you said, every year Cal had a new bunch coming in and they were going to be extremely talented. So you had to figure out like where you fit in in this picture in order to uh, you know, best help the team and to get that that role in those minutes. So um, I think early on, I was I was exposed to that like different scenarios. So it kind of it kind of it kind of became easy to me after probably my second second year with Cal. Yeah, and then after that, then after you're walking into those new situations, kind of kind of the work you put on behind the scenes kind of takes care of itself. Where you know when it's sure. just, when it, when you get your opportunity, you're ready to take it. Definitely. Definitely. That's that's one thing that um, I didn't. That's one thing that kind of changed in the NBA, because the the first thing I wasn't getting consistent minutes, but I wasn't really good at capitalizing on my minutes whenever they were like sporadic and random. So I might not play for two months and then get thrown in there randomly. on, on And then I wasn't really ready or prepared mentally. Like I put my work in, but still it's like a different type of maturity that you have to have just to be ready, like no matter what. But I kind of developed that. And then um, but it was a little bit too late. You know what I'm saying? I got released. Then I got to Germany. But once I got to Germany, I got to figure out exactly how, like I said early, like how I wanted to be as a pro, like what I was best at. I focused on my shooting more, being more consistent. And then um, I knew when I came back, I knew exactly like how I was going to uh, try to approach the game and try to be a part of the team. Yeah. As you're as, as you were navigating all those scenarios and situations, what were your what was your support system like during that time as far as from a family standpoint, 
um, where you were you starting? Did you meet your wife during that time period? What was what was that behind the scenes support system like? Oh man, I, I I was blessed. I was truly blessed. I had a pretty good support system throughout all of those, well, most of those experiences. Not early on in college, but me and my wife met um towards the end of my junior year, um, and then um she she moved down to New Orleans with me uh day one as soon as I moved down. So we we built a strong relationship, and like my my support system was was ridiculous uh just through all those frustrating times i always had like peace at home which which helped it helped me tremendously like i i didn't have too much to worry about at home with my family and um that that helped a lot for sure yeah one of my goals with what i'm doing with this is like i just want to show the human side of of a professional athlete because like from my vantage point when i'm sitting at home on my couch (laughs) and people people always talk about how like because you guys are in a professional situation or you're making money they don't understand like you do get frustrated if you don't (laughs) like like if you get hurt and you rehab and you're getting paid to rehab you still want to play you know what i'm saying you're going to get lonely you're going to be nervous you're going to be anxious you're going to have all these other human emotions that come with life and so i think i think people need to understand that just because you've made it to the highest level of your dream. That doesn't mean you yeah. stop feeling as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. It's, I feel like a lot of people think like they, their, their, their way of thinking is like, oh, but you make so much money. Like you can't be mad or angry or like, yeah. like that's not how it works at all. Like, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Talk to me about, and this is kind of my, my last basketball related question, but talk to me about how once you reach your dream, right so you have the ultimate dream which is for every young kid that's the nba but then what is it like to kind of dream beyond that dream or like to work beyond when once you reach your ultimate goal i think that's part of where i messed up now looking back i think that's part of where i messed up my first stint because when i first when i finally made it to the nba it was just like oh i did it like i made it like you re- like i reached it you know what i mean i reached that peak that i was trying to reach but after Germany, i got to figure it out i got to see like exactly what i wanted from my basketball career and i set new goals but it, it kind of took me a couple of years to to mature enough to do that but like once i first made it and i know everybody's different you know some people strive to be the best some people strive to be uh whatever but like um, yeah, from my from early on, my goal was like, yeah, I mean, I want to. I'm trying to play in the league. A kid from Maysville, Kentucky. I hadn't seen nobody else do it before me. I'm like, that was my goal. But I felt like uh, I didn't do a great job of once I reached that goal. I didn't set new goals or try to expand that. You know, but yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, so thinking about all these lessons that you that you've taken away from the game, what are some that you try to apply? going forward and i'm a i'm I'm gonna list some just in case you need to just 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 to get you thinking so like handling adversity taking advantage of opportunities um being able to work with different teams and different people how do you apply that going forward to what you what you have going on now because you're still you're still young you have your whole life ahead of you you've accomplished a lot in a short window of time so how are you using the lessons from basketball to your next stage of life Man, I, I didn't learn a lot of lessons through basketball and through the the environments that I've been put in and through like through basketball. So, I mean, uh, you named some really good ones. Um, 
I think it's given me uh, um, the ability to focus on something, you know, that like just how we talked about early to set goals and come up with a plan to achieve those goals. Um, like you said earlier, working with different people with me, I, I've had so many teammates throughout the years, like just working with people and learning how to deal with certain personalities or learning how to maneuver around certain people and how to switch that up from person to person. Um, it's something that I think is very important. And, um, I learned through basketball. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a total blessing. What do you try to give back to the younger generation now, now that you kind of have the blueprint and you, and you've accomplished a lot from an athletic standpoint and also from a professional standpoint, as you look forward to life, what are ways that you try to give back to the youth now? Um, well, I, I just try to talk to them like as honestly as possible about all the situations that I've been through. Like I've been, I've seen highs, I've seen lows, I've been overseas, I've been in the league, like the, I've, I've, I've pretty much done it all summer league, like uh, G league, all, all of these different scenarios with different players, different people, different type of coaches. So, and then, like you said, the life lessons too, I think that's really important um, because there's a lot that like athletes in general deal with um, just outside of their, their arenas that, that you have to maneuver through and deal with. So I just try to speak um, as honestly as possible about all of these situations and, try to just share my experiences with them so they can make their own judgments and take from it what they will. Yeah. I feel like sports and especially basketball is the greatest, one of the greatest teachers in life. And I was talking to a high school team. It was actually my high school that I played at, at, at Bryan station. And I was mm -hmm. telling them that how basketball changed my life because it was the first thing that, that I, I like put the work in and, and could see the results on the back end. Right. And then right. that that influenced me for like in my professional career now in finance, like if I want to get better at something, I can put the time in to learn how to invest better, how to work with right. clients better, how to build a better business, stuff like that. And so I, sure. I just feel like the game overall um, just interweaves into life. Definitely. Definitely. There's so many there's so many lessons that that I've learned throughout the years that I've, I would say all athletes in general learn throughout the years um that helps you in, in everyday life so you I 100% agree with you on that yeah how are you going to uh what's your what's your outlook on your daughters are you going to try to push them into hooping or <laughs> uh let them get a love for it or what's your yeah what's your man thoughts? I'm I'm just I'm kind of falling back right now right now me and my wife we are introducing them to everything like my my they do art class uh piano basketball soccer so i i'm i'm trying to just show them and let them experience everything and then they'll they'll, they'll find out what they want to do but like yeah i'm not trying to push anything on them not at all yeah and this is th this is a question that i want to ask you as a father right is there anything that and this is no disrespect to your parents or my parents or whatever oh, for sure is, is there anything that you're going to do a little bit differently with your kids that maybe you didn't have growing up? And I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's some different, there's some different ways that I'm going to go about parenting for sure. But as, I mean, as we get older, we, we, we're so we have so many more opportunities and we're so lucky to have um, 
so much information at the palm of our hands. You know what I mean? So it's like we have we have way more advantages. But there there are some things like um, that I try to instill in my kids um, that maybe my parents didn't really instill in me. Not saying that it was right that they're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong, but yeah, I'm, it, it's a little bit different for sure. Yeah, that is that is true because. I was, I was talking to one of my friends a couple of weeks ago about just the amount of information that we do have, even from a financial standpoint, like right, right. being able to pick up our phones and learn how to invest for the future. You exactly. know, like our parents yeah. didn't have that. Or <laughs> yeah, even, they didn't have that at all. Yeah, or, yeah, so it is it is crazy. But I want to respect your time. I just want to say I appreciate it, man. Uh, I think I got all I wanted to accomplish, all the questions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to call you one day to get one Billy G story. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <The> record. <laughs> yeah. I got plenty of them. I got plenty of them. <laughs> but um, thanks again, man. I've enjoyed watching you play. I've enjoyed uh, knowing you. And so I just can't thank you enough, brother. No problem. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Sure.